Positive Nation, how's it going discovering how to work with your team? I don't know what to call it, maybe scattered? I really don't know what to call us these days, do you? I mean, I hear remote, hybrid. How about long distance? Bottom line is we all want engaged, productive, accountable teams, but how do you create that in this long-distance working world? My guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast wrote the book, The Long-Distance Team. That's what he calls them. And he's here to help you and me figure out how to best work long-distance. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, help me welcome to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast, Kevin Eikenberry. Kevin, welcome to Work Positive Podcast, man. Man, I am so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to be with you. I don't know why I sounded like an NBA announcer there all of a sudden. Your name You just did? Sounded... I didn't know if that was the standard? Like... <laughs> no, no. Many are called, fewer chosen. And and so I don't know why you got that, but you did. It, it, but you sound I like think... a basketball player. I mean, your name really does. You ever play basketball? I played basketball in high school, and I I love, especially college basketball, love college basketball. Oh, really? Kevin, so which team is your favorite? Yeah, you know, uh, we had a rough spring. Well, we had a great season, actually, unranked at the start of the year, number one more weeks than anybody else. I went to Purdue. I, I followed the Boilermakers, and uh, we fell at an unfortunate time in the first round of the tournament, but we had a fabulous season. We've got the uh, an unanimous All-American and won every National Player Award there was, so we'll take all of that. <laughs> and the guy who was the coach when I was in school, Gene Cady, was just named. <laughs> to the Basketball Hall of Fame. So, so work positive nation. The first thing you need to know about Kevin Eikenberry is he's slightly passionate about Purdue University. <laughs> Man, you asked. I'm just saying. You asked. Be careful. I, I did. I did. I asked a question. Now, what is it? Boiler up? Is that is that what I? That's one of the things that gets said. That's right. Yeah. Now I told you before we started recording. My son-in-law went to IU. I'm not going to say what they say about Purdue because this is a family-friendly show, right? Yeah. I just call that that school down south that's what i call that <laughs> i love it <laughs> to all of the folks from indiana at like it's a fabulous university my daughter went there she has a great degree from kelly and uh, i ain't gonna root for her school i never did <laughs> well i i know you to be a generous man now kevin because you paid for your daughter to go to a rival school so anyway if you'll do that you'll do anything for somebody right <laughs> Man, we are so delighted to have you on. Uh, so you've written this book called The Long Distance Team. And I want to thank you. First of all, that's it right there if you're watching us on YouTube. Yep. Um, if if I could first just thank you for answering my biggest question, because I don't know what to call us anymore. I could call us remote. I can call us hybrid. My friend Bob Johansson refers to us as a distributed network, right? I don't know what to call us anymore. So you called us the long distance team. How'd you come up with that phrase, long distance to apply? to? Well, it starts, yeah, it it starts um, uh, in in 2018. We wrote 2018 before when, when Corona was still a beer, Uh, we wrote a book book called the long distance leader. And we used that language at the time because for a number of reasons. One is we didn't want to, because people, it was being called different things then. It was being called telework, it was being called remote, sure. called different things. And we wanted to 
put a stake in the ground. And we also liked the way it sounded. We liked the alliteration of long distance leader. Uh, And then when the pandemic hit and we sent everybody home uh, about then we were finishing the manuscript for the long distance teammate. And now of course the long distance team. So by the time we got here, that's just what we, what we call it. We, we feel very fortunate and blessed that that's what we picked because you know, it, it states it without dating the idea, which is what's happening. The, the words keep sort of changing. And I think it describes it. It doesn't have to be long distance. Like everyone could be in the same zip code and still not work you know, right. in physical proximity. But I think right. for the most part, it it defines what we're talking about here. And, and, you know, we've long said that if you have folks who aren't in the same building every day, you have a remote team or you have a hybrid team. Like if not everybody's there, mm-hmm. you've got this, whatever you want to call it. And, and so, you know, the world, even though according to the U S labor statistics, I last read from last fall, the, you know, 72% or so of companies have everybody working, you know, together. That hmm. means there's almost 30% that don't have everybody working together. And, 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 and even for the 70 that do, there's mm-hmm. the world has changed yeah. um, in terms of how society thinks about work. And so even if you don't get to work at a distance, you sort of know someone that does and maybe uh-huh. kind of wish you could. And so the way the world has changed as we think about work, it's changed a lot. Uh, it's changed a whole lot. So, there. I mean, Elon Musk sends out a tweet at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. By the way, I don't know what the magic is about 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning, but lots of people seem to send tweets in. Um, I don't. I don't. Just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sleeping. <laughs> but, but anyway, he sends out this tweet and he says, everybody's got to come back to the office. And, and you've heard some other folks saying, hey, you got to come back. And you've heard some other high profile CEOs saying, you got to come back into the office. How is that? playing in your experience today in the long distance world? Well, let's see. How about this? Uh, who would have guessed? First of all, we couldn't have guessed of a pandemic, but let's say at the start of the pandemic, we said, when it's all over, here are three companies and one of them is going to l- allow people to work remotely. And these two, two others aren't. Uh-huh. And the three are Twitter, Meta and Ford. You would never have guessed that Ford would be the one that would say, "Oh no, we don't have to all come. You don't have to all come back. You can come back when you need to, or on an ad." Wow, as no. In fact, I would have I think the that, reverse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. So, I have a lot of thoughts about why that is and how that is, mm-hmm. and, and whether it makes sense. You know, I, I know there have been a lot of books written about remote work, if sure. you will, in the last few years, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that have written them are really what I would call evangelists for people should be able to work whenever they want, wherever they want, you know, mm-hmm. the digital nomad and all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. and because I've written co-written three books that use this language in the cover, a lot of people assume that's where I am, but that's not where I'm at at all. Where I'm at is the work should define it. And if the work and the context and the situation should define it, and it might not even be need to be the same for everyone in the same, in the organization. Hmm. Um, and some of the early CEOs specifically on wall street that made those kinds of statements further back hmm. have had to backpedal. Right. <laughs> and I think that the future, what the future is, Dr. Joey is flexible. And hmm. there will be some organizations that will bring everybody back and it will work for them. And that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest mistake is to bring everybody back because that's what I'm comfortable with. Ooh, yes. Rather than bring everybody back because that's what's going to help us meet our business needs. Mm. And that what's happened is we get this huge tension between, and it gets to, I know we want to talk about culture and I'll get there. Uh, 
it gets at a tension between it becomes us and them. It becomes management wants us in and we don't want to be in. But what really we should be looking at is how do we look at the outcomes and the wants and needs of others? And if we look at it that way, like if you ask people, where do you want to work? A lot of people are going to say, I want to work at home. I don't want to commute. But -hmm. if you ask them, where will we get the best results? Hmm. Many more are going to say probably in some days and not in some other days. Uh Right. So you can read all sorts of studies and it all comes down to how you're asking the question and and can pretty much tell you what kind of results you're going to get based on the way you ask the question. The reality is that an awful lot of people would like to find value in coming into the office some of the time. And if we're going to bring people in, at least some of the time, then we need to start thinking about what the implications are for our de- designs of our team and the cultures that we have, because trying to bring everybody back so we can have the culture that we once had <laughs> is, uh, while understandable, is silly. Because mm. we now have three years of life experience collectively yes. that yeah. tells us that things aren't exactly the same as they once were. That's and right. even if we do bring everybody back, it's never going to be like it was. Never. never it's just not. That genie's out of the bottle. She's not going 100%. Back. Yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to attract top talent and I'm doing what I know to do. This question about remote, hybrid, long distance, whatever, is going to come up. How do I attract top talent in the midst of this flux between everybody's got to come back in, nobody's coming back in? How do I answer that question? Well, it does start with what is our goal? Like, what are we trying? Where are we trying to get with where, when, where and how are people going to work? Right. Like, I think you can't start doing attraction until you're clear about what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So my thought would be. Figure that out. And by the way, I believe that that doesn't necessarily need to be the same for everyone in the organization. We may need, uh-huh. we may decide that we want most of our customer service people on the phone back in because for some reason that's better for our productivity or better for our results. It doesn't have to be true, but might be. Let's just say that. Right. But then we've got, and we got some IT people that need to be in because they need to be touching on to the, the boxes <laughs> and such. Yeah, that's right. But we've got some other people that don't need to be in. Like, I don't think it has to be the same in every part of an organization. And too often, that's what's happening. We're trying to put everybody into one policy rather than continuing to pilot and figure out what works. So the first thing I would say about attracting top talent is it all depends on what your picture is or you want it to be, Mm. right? Because some people are saying, well, if I don't, you know, if I don't go hybrid or if I don't go remote or what or flexible or whatever, then I can't get top talent. Maybe, maybe not. But mm. the reality is that you've got to get clear before you can attract anything. I can tell you the most attractive thing is clarity. So if you're clear and this is what we're doing and why we're doing it, mm. you may be defining your universe, but there's no reason you still can't get top talent in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, who you are, what the position's all about. So since it's clarified, I can attract top talent because they're going to look for clarity. Uh, they might want. And oh, to- by the way, yeah. if they get hired and then you change the rules. Oh goodness, please don't do that. <laughs> well, but my point is, like, like if your organization hasn't decided yet, and you're hiring now, and right now people are out, and eventually you decide to bring them back, don't be surprised if some of them leave because that's mm-hmm. not what they thought they were signing up for. So the clearer we can get about those decisions, and even if it's not organization wide, right? If you're a small company, it's no big deal, right? Yeah. Make it just move on with it, whatever it is. Right. You know, and I, my company, 14 of us, 15 of us, it currently, as I speak with you right now are in nine States and have been, well, 
there's more states than there used to be, but you know, we're spread out. <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, you know, you just have to decide what it is that you want and then recognize that people are counting on that being the process moving forward, which is one mm-hmm. of the reasons that they'll, that you have a chance to keep them. If in fact, you know, that's what you want to do. Yeah. And, and there's that clarity, not only for them and attracting top talent, but for yourself. So you can speak with confidence. Here's what we know about this position. Here's what this position contributes. Yeah. Here's where our expectations are about officing for this position. Yeah, that is for sure. For sure. Yeah, Gotcha. So reducing team turnover in the midst of long distance teams, you've already named one great way to increase team turnover, and that is to change your mind about yeah, right. uh, yeah. right? so, about how, how this person is going to office. Uh, what are some ways in the midst of long distance teams to do those culture things that we know make for a positive work culture, even though it's long distance? Because it, it does for many of us, particularly guys maybe my age, maybe your age, it, it does create um, a new paradigm. I think the number one thing that we need to do to reduce turnover distance or not, Mm. is have more effective leaders. So we need to be uh, raising the expectations of our leaders. Like, let's back up. The number one reason people leave a job voluntarily is they fire their boss. Let's just be clear. That didn't change during the pandemic. That's still the case. Um, And so, yes, there'll be people that might leave for money if it's a lot more money or whatever. But we have clients that have people left and then they they say, oh, I want to come back. Right. The number one reason people leave is their boss. So make sure we're supporting our leaders. Make sure we're setting expectations for our leaders. Make sure we're uh, giving, putting tools in the toolkit of our leaders so that they can be more successful. Number one. And then to your point, there's culture. Creating a culture where people want to stay is not just the job of the leadership. It's mm-hmm. the job of everyone. It's one of the big messages of, of the book, The Long Distance Team, is that if you want to have engaged teams, you need to engage them in the important stuff. And one of the most important things is the culture. Like, how do we do things around here? Mm. That should be determined by all of us. In fact, the decisions, honestly, about where people are working and when people are working ought to have input from those people doing the work and not just the leaders that went off to a retreat or listened to a podcast and came back and decided, but <laughs> rather smoking to telling you what to do. <laughs> it, the reality is that that should be a decision that, that we come to together. If you want your team to be engaged, uh, if you want your team to trust you, you need to trust them. And that doesn't mean that you do exactly what they want. Mm. But what it does mean is that you value their input. They lived through the last three years, just like you did as a leader. Mm. And, you know, ultimately it's your call. I believe I'm not talking about collectivism here, Mm -hmm. but I am suggesting that for us to only look at one viewpoint, ours and assume it gives us the best answer is just silly. And, and so if we want to create a culture that will increase retention, Mm -hmm. then we need to focus on what is our aspirational culture and then be doing tangible things to be moving towards it. Mm. And what kind of intangible best practices are are you seeing out there for long distance teams, Kevin? Well, I think, again, the leadership is a huge piece. But in terms of from a cultural perspective, it's culture that, number one, people understand. Mm. And that, number two, they had a hand in creating. Mm. And number three is attractive in and of itself. Right. When we think about building culture or creating an aspirational culture, we, we like to think about three C's, we call it the three C model. And that is 
communication, collaboration, and cohesion. So what are you doing to create the levels of communication that are not only required by the work, but are needed by the team members? What are the levels of collaboration? How are we going to collaborate? And when are we going to collaborate? And if we're coming into the office some days, are those the days that we're having meetings and the days that we're at home or we're not? Like those are the kinds of questions there. The what, the when's and the how's of collaboration. And then lastly is cohesion. All of the stuff that we've sort of talked about, about relationship and about trust and about engagement, all of those things. So when we think about creating a culture, the secret sauce comes in, what is it that we're trying to do aspirationally and using those three pillars to help us create and describe that? And then retention will come not by having, this is what we want our culture to be, but seeing that we're working every day to move closer to that culture and that we're making decisions through the lens of that culture and that we're providing people with training and development opportunities that move us closer to that culture. That's the kind of stuff that will make a difference. Yeah. And that first C communication really paves the way to collaboration and cohesion. We have more uh, ways of communicating now, even for long distance teams than ever before. And yet, at least the company culture work that we do, we continue to hear communication is just, well, it sucks. What are some of the important things that I need to do? Well, I'm sorry, but it does. You know, what are some of the important key ingredients to communication with long distance teams? Well, we have to be more intentional. Like, here's what we already all know about communication, right? Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much everything I'm going to say here applies if we're in physical proximity. It's just more important when we're not, sure. all right? Because we have to work at it harder. So mm-hmm. the first thing I would say is the distance piece is in large part about intention, Like we have to be more intentional about it because the reason we screw up, one of the reasons that we screw up organizational communication to start with is we're not clear enough to start with about what the messages are, right? So we have to get more clarity and then we have to have more consistency in the message, using those messages in multiple ways to improve the chances people get it. And we need to create feedback loops so that people can loop back into that. So we need to do all of those things at a distance as well. And we know that sometimes we get some feedback loops in the office because we see each other in the hallway. There's this serendipitous conversations and those aren't happening if we're at a distance. So as a leader, we have to be far more intentional about making sure that we're sharing the messages and they didn't get shared in the office, but got left out or they got shared in the office. And then <laughs> I remembered five hours later, I need to send an email to the rest of the team. Oops. It's old news by then. Uh-huh. Like you almost have to send the email first yep. before you talk to it with everybody else, because otherwise the, the balance gets way out of whack. The next thing I would say is we need to make sure that as leaders, of team members who are remote from us, that we're not just transacting business with them, but we're having interactions. How do I make sure that I'm having interactions with my team members and not just transacting business, which means that I have to get beyond the work and the weather. Because if we build that relationship and if we build a level of trust, then intention will be better understood when we are communicating and we got a better chance of people granting us a little grace and fall short once in a while. Mm, Oh, boy. Yeah, we sure do. Kevin Eikenberry is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. The Long Distance Team is the book. Um, If you're on the Peloton or walking the dog or something, uh, it's in the show notes. There's a direct link there to Amazon so you can go get your copy today, right now. Uh, I'm assuming it's Kindle, paper, and Audible? Uh, Audible, that's right. And you can also go to longdistanceteambook.com and get an excerpt. Right. Oh, you wonderful. can remember that while you're on your Peloton or walking the dog. Long yeah, distance yeah. teambook.com. 
and the, the links way. for Amazon and all the other places to buy it are there as well. Wherever fine books are sold. That's exactly. Exactly so, correct. So, and currently, as uh, we're having this conversation at airport bookstores all around the country. Oh, so if you're walking into the airport, go grab it. And you're probably going to have a lot more time in the airport now if you're flying anywhere. So you've got plenty of time to go over to Hudson's or wherever you want to go, pick up a copy of Kevin's Kevin's book. By the way, Work Positive Nation, just so you know, I know I talk about Peloton a lot. I don't have a Peloton. We get nothing from Peloton. I just think it's a cool concept. And if yeah, I didn't have this beautiful... That. Yeah, I fix that. <laughs> well, if I didn't have this beautiful farm to walk every day, you know, I probably would have a Peloton, but I'm hoping it out here. So what are some of the challenges that you're seeing today? You're really focusing in on leadership here, Kevin. That That's a recurring thing. Leaders are really setting the pace, right, for these large teams. And it's up to leaders to be intentional and to initiate communication, collaboration, cohesion that creates the kind of culture we want in these long distance teams. So what are some of the challenges, and these can be leader challenges, that you're seeing in companies today as they seek to form a positive work culture among their long distance teams? Well, uh, it does start with a leader. Like people are watching, people will often say great leaders are great role models, to which I agree. And then I say, except every leader is a role model. The only question is, are you modeling what you want them to follow? So Mm. if we want a positive work culture, we all know that enthusiasm is contagious. Mm. And so as leaders, if we want a positive work culture, like leaders will come to me and say, like, my team is so negative. And I say, have you looked at Have you looked in the mirror, right? So so we want a positive work culture. We're talking about work positive here, everybody, right? So we need to make sure that we're modeling that. We need to make sure we're expecting that. Mm. And we need to make sure we're reinforcing those behaviors with our team. Mm. This I mean, if positive or, or something about positivity is, is a part of that aspirational culture, mm-hmm. then it needs to be expected, uh, reinforced, acknowledged um, throughout. And those are the key ways to do it. And the challenges are that as viral as enthusiasm can be, mm-hmm. cynicism is even more so. Oh, Right. So yeah. if we're finding that we've got team members who are cynical about a change or are really not communicating with or about their team members in the most appropriate ways, then that's a coaching moment. And it needs to be coached on. It needs to not be like, oh, that's just who they are. We'll let that slide. We'll catch that in the performance review. Mm -hmm. No, no, and no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That moment is the one to catch it, right? And, and to make that a catching moment. In something. the Andy Griffith mode of leadership development, you've got to nip it in the bud. <laughs> nip it, nip it. <laughs> By the way, Floyd. Some people my- that are watching or listening are going to have to. Google that. It, uh, uh, it, Barney it, Fife, nip it in the bud. There you that's go. That's right. Probably if you're under 55, you definitely want to go Google that. But it, it's a great pro- Hey, it, Surely it isn't 55. Isn't it more like 45, 35? Surely. <laughs> I know. Uh, under 55, anyway. right? Anybody under that? Of course, uh, my daughters were, were fortunate enough to learn about Andy and, and Barney and Thelma Luke. Right. <laughs> so you said something really, really interesting a moment ago. A leader says, and and I think this is a huge challenge, and I want to hear you take it on, Kevin. A leader says, my team is so negative, right? It almost sounds like the blame game is in play right there. So rather than me taking personal responsibility for my own leadership 
and modeling it and making sure that that aspirational culture, as you talk about it, is a part of who I am daily. I'm just going to push it off on my team. You know, I inherited them. Man, they're not who I thought they were when, when they got hired. How do we as leaders seeking to create a work positive culture, how do we overcome that blame game to take that huge step for some of us to take personal responsibility for the way we lead? Well, first thing, I have to be really clear that when someone says they're they're being negative, I want you to tell me what the behaviors are. Okay. What does like, that look let's like? Let's be clear about what the right? actual behaviors are. Like, you, you know, you can't coach attitude, really. You coach behaviors. So let's tell, tell me what the behaviors are because mm-hmm. once people understand that that behavior is having this impact, it's easier to coach. So that's the first thing I would say. And the second thing I would say is that it's, it is important for us to recognize that we have an outsized impact as the leader because people do watch us and what we say and what we don't say and when we say it and how we say it and all that stuff. Mm. And we need to recognize that ultimately those behaviors don't belong to us like we need to take responsibility for our what's ours for sure right i am yep. i am not saying we should play the blame game because we should right. not like right. my dad always said when you point your finger at someone there are three fingers pointing back at you <laughs> That's right. so the point is that we have to recognize what belongs to us but we also know that we don't own it all like we can influence other people but we can't control other people right, right. so we have to think about what's our responsibility here to coach them. If you coach someone by saying, like, listen, Dr. Joe, you have a bad attitude. The first thing you're going to do or say something like that, where that's what you hear is you're going to get defensive and nothing's going to work. But but if I say to you, here's what I noticed you doing in a meeting and here's how it's impacting Mm -hmm. others. First of all, that's different. Now I'm giving you my observation rather than my judgment. When I say to you, you're being negative, that's a judgment. Yes. So let's stay with the observation. What would the videotape show? Here's what I am seeing and here's the implication of it with me or with others. Mm -hmm. That takes away a lot of that defensiveness because now you're saying, oh, didn't realize that might not even have been your intent. Right. Well, I, I think I can say with firm certainty that when you approach as a leader, one of your team members and say, you have a negative attitude, they are not going to say, oh, thank you. I have been yeah, waiting have for been somebody waiting to for say, to I have that. a negative attitude. I wonder just... Yeah, I wondered if my my spouse was the only one who who saw this. You've confirmed it. Thank you. I will fix it right now. Yeah, exactly. That ain't going to happen, Kevin. And oh, by the way, if they do, and even if they agree with you, they feel justified. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you had to work where I work and with the people I work with, you'd have a negative attitude too. Exactly. So that's not going to get us anywhere. No, nowhere. But the coaching of the behavior, man, that is so important. And I I wish we had two hours just to talk about that because there are culture KPIs for every company, right? Or there should be culture KPIs. Now, you've referred to an aspirational culture several times. Talk about some successful aspirational culture implementations that you've seen and what were those values that they were pushing out that the leaders could get behind and coach culture KPIs, the behavior around? Well, so I will say that our approach is not to say, Hey, here's the stuff that ought to be in your, in your culture, Mm -hmm. but rather for the organization to say, this is what we want. This is what will create a place where we can get great work done and enjoy being here while we're doing it. And, and so, 
to us, the idea of an aspirational culture is something that is co-created across the organization and how exactly you do it. We talk about some in the book, but it depends a lot on the size of your organization, right? If there's 10 of you, it's one thing. If there's 10,000 of you, it's something very different. But the reality is that once that's determined, then you can create KPIs and you can create measures around that. Once we've said, these are the, the behaviors, because if culture is the way we do things around here, then the aspirational culture should be, this is the way we want to do things around here. Mm. And once we have those statements, then we can create measures against those as appropriate for our organization. So we don't come in and say, well, you know, what you ought to have this value and this value in order to be positive and all that stuff. Mm. Now, because what we have found is that if you let people go out and figure that out, they'll come back with a lot of common things. Yep. But it, it needs to be there. So it's our job to provide a process and to facilitate it. It's not to prescribe it. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's coaching at its heart, I think, and at its best, is you're facilitating that process of new awareness, helping them align their actions with it, and then building accountability systems so they can move forward. That's beautiful. 100%. Kevin Eikenberry is my guest. Go to the website right now, longdistanceteambook.com. Uh, there's a free excerpt for you there. You can try it before you buy it, see how it fits. It's going to fit great. There's no doubt about that because you need what Kevin Eikenberry's written about in the Long Distance Team. So get your copy there. Kevin, what else are we going to find when we go to that website besides the excerpt and the ability to purchase a book? You're going to see you're going to see links to the other books in the series that we talked about. You're going to get the chance to uh, there, there's some special offers depending on if you want to get multiple copies. There's some of that as well. And then, of course, there's links back to our regular site, KevinEikenberry.com. Wonderful. Sounds great. Work Positive Nation always wants to know from my guest, Kevin. What's your one thing? What's your one thing that Work Positive Nation can do starting today to help create a positive work culture right where they are? Ask more, assert less, talk less, and talk later. As leaders, we talk too much and we talk too soon. If we want to have an engaged team, uh, that people that want to stay and to attract the people that we want in the future, we need to be leaders that listen. We need to be leaders that share our attention and our ears at least as much as our advice and expertise. Mm, Beautiful, man. What a great one thing. And it is one thing because it's not about us as leaders. It's about the team. Longdistanceteambook.com is where you want to go right now. If you can't get there right now, it's in the show notes. Be sure to go and get your copy today. Kevin, thank you so much for the gift of your time and your wisdom that you've shared with Work Positive Nation today. I know I'm better for the conversation that Work Positive Nation is, too. Thank you, my friend. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free work positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About, and it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. Get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about, and you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.